I was really looking forward to that. Obviously, Logan, I didn't know what to expect entirely. I had not really worked with him at all prior to Royal Rumble. Super athletic, so I knew going in we were going to be able to kind of work with that, and it turned out to be one of my favorite WrestleMania matches I've ever had, actually. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Out of Character. I'm your host, Ryan Satin. We're here back in the old, stu- well, the new version of the older studio. Uh, you can't see all the rest of the stuff. You can't see all the stuff we're using, but it's all been upgraded, and I'm so excited to be here. And if we're in a new studio, even if it's a newer version of the old studio, I had to get someone dope for the first episode. So, of course, my mind went to the top. Seth freaking Rollins. We got him on the podcast this week. The world heavyweight champion. The new WWE world heavyweight champion. And right now he's building a legacy with that title. We talked to him. We talked all about that with him on the show and so much more. So I really hope you guys enjoy my conversation with Seth Rollins. Now, before I get to that tiny bit of housekeeping here, make sure you're following WWE on Fox on social media. We're on threads now too. I'm also on threads. Make sure you're following us both on threads. It's the new thing. Uh, no offense to the old thing, but this new thing seems to be where people are migrating. So make sure you're following WWE on Fox on threads and myself. I'd appreciate it. Got to bump those numbers up so as many people see these clips as possible. So make sure you're doing that. And also make sure that you're following the Out of Character podcast feed. Go subscribe to that in whatever platform you listen to podcasts on. That way, you can get the audio version of this show as well if you're not watching on YouTube. But if you are watching on YouTube, I also want to say I appreciate you. Thank you. Uh, also, minor news, uh, I got married. I'm officially married now. So uh, you're, you're watching a married host over here, and I think that helps my mood here. Uh, so really, uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation with Seth Rollins as much as I do. Let's get to it. It's Seth Rollins, the WWE World Heavyweight Champion. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for doing this. I always appreciate it. Uh, you're backstage at Madison Square Garden right now as we speak. Um, you must be pumped. You're like always moving. You're, you've always got something going on, and now you're, you don't even have to be at SmackDown. You're the, you're the Raw World Heavyweight Champion, but you're, you're, uh, you're there. You're, you're ready to go. Yeah, they want to sell off the garden. They call the Raw World Champ over to do the deal, you know? Um, <laughs> no, I, you know, SmackDown shows are short. They only run two hours, so we had some extra special dark matches and for a, a nice market like New York City. Uh, they they want to bring some in some of the champions, so I'm here tonight. I believe uh, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, the Undisputed Tag Champs are here tonight as well. So a little extra special treat uh, for the, the fans in the garden tonight. I've only seen one show, Madison Square Garden, but once I did, I finally understood the type of different energy in the building there. It really is an awesome place to watch wrestling. Yeah, there's just a different aura about it. You know, I started coming here uh, about 11 years ago, uh, maybe 12. I want to say I did a live event here first before I was actually called up um, when I was still in NXT. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at like 12 years roughly uh, of coming to Madison Square Garden. And there's just it's still it's a different aura when you come into the building and you step into the bowl and you get in the ring. And it's just a different type of energy, you know, and I don't know if it is 
kind of, I don't know if it's a chicken or the egg. Like, I don't know if there's a real energy or there's just this aura about it that brings the energy. Either way, um, it's a really nice experience. And I always feel privileged to get to come here and to put on a show for these fine folks. I think even though Madison Square Garden has like moved over the years, I think it just kind of feels like you're like at the the home of where WWE, you know, originated. It feels like you're, you know, you're in the same vibe of like you know legends from decades past and i think that's really what brings kind of like that energy in there yeah i mean there's so much lore that goes along with msg um and it really does i mean you're right it just feels like an epicenter of sorts you know i mean new york was the territory the garden was always the garden like i said there's a a ton of lore uh surrounding the arena and even the, the name itself um but yeah it just it feels look even when i was um, in Ring of Honor, and we would come do shows here at the Manhattan Center, which is like right across the street. I would always look out, uh, you know, and see the, the garden and just it felt big, like just being next to it, you know, always hoping and dreaming that I could some at some point, you know, be in that arena and do something uh, special. So it, it's it's just got it, man. It's just the vibe. It's just it's always here, always will be. It's funny, too, because the, the only show that I saw at Madison Square Garden wasn't a WWE show. It was when Ring of Honor was there that one time. And so I can only imagine how much cooler it would be to be there for a WWE show where it's actually the territory, you know? Yeah, I mean, I can't speak on it. I, I wasn't a part of the ROH show that was yeah. here. But, uh, I mean, for us, all the WWE shows that I've ever done here, they're always special, whether it's Christmas Loop live events uh, or it's a TV like tonight. You know, it's, it's a big deal. What's do you have a personal favorite place to wrestle, like an arena, stadium, anything like that? Um, I mean, the garden is up there. You know, there's not any anything that like there's there's different crowds that have been fantastic. You know, uh, Paris jumps off the chart. Santiago, Chile jumps off the chart. Tokyo jumps off the, the chart. Like there's a few of them like crowd wise that sort of I remember. But like arena wise, the garden's the only one that has like a its own aura, I guess. Um, that's not really a stadium. The stadiums always kind of have an aura about them, but uh, the garden as an arena just has a special feel to it. The crowd for Money in the Bank was awesome. Those those UK crowds are out of control. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they just wanted they just singing, man. They they find the wildest song lyrics. I don't even know what they were saying half the time. Uh, <laughs> I caught some of the chants, uh, but like I had no idea what was going on. I was kind of jealous of the tag match in the main event because the guys on the apron kind of had an opportunity to like sit and just think about what they were saying uh, and react to it. Like, you know, when you're in the fight, you don't, you, you got so much going on in your head, survival wise, trying to catch your breath, all what, whatever, you know, figuring out what the next thing you need to do is. And then uh, you've got all these people singing and you're like, are they, are they singing for me? Are they singing for him? Are they just singing to sing? I don't, I don't really know. So uh, I envied the tag match because they had the opportunity to like, Oh, I understand what they're saying and now I can react to it. And then it's a fun back and forth and, and that's that's a fun part of, of professional wrestling and so i i was jealous man jealous yeah sometimes when they're singing those songs i'm like having to listen real closely i'm like is this a song that i know did they make this song up is this a song that's popular in the uk i'm like trying to figure it out while listening but all i know is that they're having fun yeah they're having they're having fun i mean that's seeing that's the name of the game like and and i feel like it's really been that way for borderline a couple of years with our audiences that I felt like there was a period of time where some, some of the crowds we would go to and I, and I was like, man, are you sure you wanted to come to the show? Like you spent a lot of money to come to this show. Are you sure you want to 
you know, you, you came to have a good time or what, what's going on here? Um, but man, lately, just like really, I mean, probably since we came back from the pandemic, I mean, maybe people just aren't taking it for granted as much anymore, you know, um, because we just didn't, there were a year and a half where we didn't get to do that, you know, we didn't know if we were ever going to be able to do it again. So the fact that we get to have it back, it's a, it's a credit to humanity that, you know, we, uh, we were not taking it for granted this time around. Crowds just seem to be having a party anywhere we go. I feel like it's got to be so invigorating for you to be in the center of that when the music shuts off and they're just all still going. It's got to give you like this shot of adrenaline and just like a high that is hard to replicate, I would imagine. Yeah, it, it's it's not even adrenaline. It's almost the opposite. It's like this soothing experience because the song has like a haunting quality to it. And um, and so when they're when they're singing the song in the darkness and you kind of, you know, I peek through my eyelids sometimes to see if the, if the flashlights are on and, they, you know, I get the flashlights. It's very ambient. So it's almost it almost takes me out of the element, almost out of the kind of like the, the big fight feel in, in a way. I know it adds to it for them, like the, the live experience, like really amps it up for them. But for me, I just get so relaxed. I'm just trying to breathe. My shoulders are usually on fire if I'm holding the, the pose for a while. And so I'm trying to just get some oxygen in, into the blood into my shoulders so that I can hold it, the arms out longer. Um, but yeah, it really, it's really like a calming moment. It really feels like an eye of the hurricane type thing. I think sometimes fans online to forget that like we're watching a live experience for people because there's some people who go like, oh, the the singing, it gets, goes for too long or this and that. But when you're there live doing it, it's so much fun to just, like, be singing with a giant arena or a stadium full of people. It's it's so much fun as a crowd to do. Yeah, I mean, the live experience of it is definitely a couple notches above what it might look like on television. And I know people get kind of, like, aggravated, especially when it's in promo segments and, you know, they want to hear what somebody's trying to say. Um but it's, it amuses me in the sense that like, so for example, when the crowd like boos Dominic Mysterio relentlessly to the point that you can't hear the words that come out of his mouth, that is like one of the funnest things that people like to watch. But when the crowd, you know, kind of drowns out one of my opponent's promos because they want to sing over them and kind of piss them off, so to speak, it's, it, you know, there's, the internet's got something to say about that. But I will say I'm very used to being complained about online. So I, I'm all for people having their opinion about it. You go to these shows live and everybody's having a good time. And, you know, that's all I can ask for. I will gladly take the singing of your song over what chance? Gladly. Like, gladly. I, I just, I'm so over the what chance. It's so long ago. If we can replace it with the singing of the song, that's so much better in my opinion. It's way more soothing than the what chance. It is very much more soothing. And I don't think they're the same thing. You know, the like no one's singing uh, my song during Other segments people's. that I'm not yeah. in. Right. <laughs> yes. Like they're, they're saying what in segments that they're bored. If they're bored by what you're saying. They're going to what you like if they start singing my song and, you know, a, a, a part of the show that I'm not in. then maybe we can have this conversation. But right now they're doing it because they're partying with me and they want my opponent to get very upset about it. And it seems work so yeah i i think it's totally different things and i love it uh, at money in the bank john cena was hyping the idea of a possible wrestlemania in london is that something that you'd like to see too 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I love just doing WrestleMania in different cities. Anytime uh, a new city, like uh, we announce a WrestleMania and it's a city that we've already been to, I'm like, ah, dang it. You know, <laughs> I'm like, ah, we've done that one. So like, you know, like SoFi was fantastic last year. I'm really looking forward to um, Philly this coming year when we did Tampa, it, it would have been a lot more fun if the building was fully filled, but like, I love doing them in different cities and different markets. Obviously the logistics of getting WrestleMania to London are a little bit different than doing it stateside. But, um, you know, this is the biggest professional wrestling company on the planet. And if anybody can do it, we can. Um, so I would love to be able to bring a WrestleMania or a huge stadium show, um, you know, to London, to the, the greater London area. Obviously we did the, you know, the UK with Cardiff and Clash the Castle and that was huge success, but it would be something special to do that in London. Yeah, absolutely. You talked about SoFi and I, I, WrestleMania was awesome this year. It was crazy being in that SoFi stadium. There was just so many people there and it was such like a big spectacle for out here. I'm used to staples and stuff like that or crypto, whatever it's called. Uh, what was your reaction to learning that you'd be working against Logan Paul at WrestleMania? I mean, I, I think at, at first I'm always disappointed if I feel like my match isn't going to close the show. <laughs> you know, I, I, I think it, anybody in my shoes, that's a normal experience to have. Uh, if you've been at it for this long, kind of grinding away, you know, you want the, you want the, you want that, that spotlight. You want to be the, the name on the marquee and you want to close the show. Um, but with that said, I knew wrestling against Logan Paul was going to be huge in its own way because there are so many people that know who Logan Paul is that have no idea what WWE is. And so we're still, you know, in the, in the kind of ongoing stages of, you know, melding those two fan bases. And so I knew that it was going to be a great opportunity for me to have a spotlight with a guy who has just a megaphone on him, no matter what he does. And so uh, to be a part of that and to try to really take my act to the next level and to get it in front of people that may have never seen it before. Uh, I was really looking forward to that. Obviously Logan, I didn't know what to expect entirely. I had not really uh, worked with him at all prior to Royal Rumble. Um, but super athletic so i knew going in we were going to be able to kind of work with that and it turned out to be one of my favorite wrestlemania matches i've ever had actually that's so cool to hear because i think that yeah not only was the match great but i do think that in the build-up it was it was cool to see how much you took advantage of the attention that was going to be on the match in various forms of media whether it was social media or doing interviews and really like amping up all you know the the situation outside of tv and on tv too but like really taking it out there and bringing as many eyeballs to the product as possible and representing the company so well when you did it yeah i i think you know logan paul a singles match at wrestlemania there's not a lot of people that the company would trust uh with a you know situation like that and so to be able to you know be one of his first matches and on the biggest stage a singles match um you know I felt like there was a lot of trust placed in me to be able to handle the situation well and be kind of an ambassador or representative for our industry. Again, to people who may not know, it may be their first in introduction. Um, we got to involve KSI, who, again, has a, another fan base that's totally foreign to what we do. So uh, I thought all around win, win, win. Um, everybody came out of it looking better, including the industry as a whole. My camera guy who was with me at WrestleMania out here. He was he well, one of my camera guys that was out here. He ended up being a big wrestling fan. I was I didn't you know I 
was excited that he got to be my camera guy because sometimes the people who come with me aren't wrestling fans. And so he and I were watching the show together and we were watching your match. And he's a big Logan Paul fan. He watches his podcast. He loves Logan Paul. He's like a big Logan Paul guy. And we're sitting there watching the match and the prime bottle is ringside. And he just looks at me and goes, I bet you that's KSI in the prime bottle. And I was like, <laughs> you think? And he's like, I'm telling you, dude. I haven't seen him on social media here all day. He goes, but I saw he's in town. He was at a basketball game with Logan. They were together. Bet you that's KSI. And I was like, hey, pretty good if that was KSI. Sure enough, like 10 minutes later, it all happens. It shows it was KSI. And he, and he just goes like, I told you. And I was like, damn, I'm the analyst, and you beat me to that one. Good job. Like, I'm here to cover it, and you were one step ahead of me. I love it. So that was, that was fun. It was cool to get him involved in the match, too, because he has a big following. Yeah, it's one of those things like Logan Paul. So Logan Paul and Bad Bunny are two like total reasons that I know I'm not hip. I ain't with it no more. I have no idea who these people were before they came to WWE and and KSI. Same thing. I I just I I'm too old, man. I'm too old. I'm not cool anymore. And so. I don't know what's going on with the kids, but when he took his little face mask off in that prime bottle, the whole arena knew who he was. We got a nice close up on his face. Kudos to our production team and our cameramen. Everybody popped. They all knew who he was. And I was like, well, there's another one. I'm just I'm just a, a cranky old man. That's me now. So uh, I was really happy that he got involved. He did a tremendous job. He was really excited to be a part of WrestleMania. And uh, you know, we couldn't have asked for a better prime bottle. Feels like this little Uzi Vert rapper is going to be the next one to wrestle in WWE. He did the performance, I think, at WrestleMania. Yeah, WrestleMania. Now he's got the Nakamura rap song. It feels like he's inching closer and closer. I mean, I think it's like if you if you're there and you're a part of it, I mean, you got to have an itch, you know. Like you, if you're even like a, I don't know if he's a fan. Clearly, he he takes some inspiration from what we do. If he if he knows Nakamura well enough to want to sample his music and, you know, make a song out of it. And so um, I, there's just got to be an itch, you know, and he's got the style for it. Like the man is immaculately dressed. Um, so I, I think, and he's a big name, it, you know, it, it's, it's possible every year WrestleMania brings some surprises. So we'll see what happens. But I mean, it's so, if you, have, it, it's just an, an addictive experience. If you've never done it, it's so it's beyond anything that you could ever experience and or really put into words. Like you can kind of liken it to the Super Bowl, but it's just it's totally different because wrestling is such a participatory, participatory like participatory experience <laughs> from a crowd perspective. So to, to be able to do it on that scale, it, it's got to just be. Like I said, it's it's addictive for us, and we do it all the time. I can't imagine what it's like for someone who's never never had that experience they've got to want to come back and do more see you said you don't know what the kids are doing these days but you knew that little uzi vert sampled nakamura you're 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 kind of still there yeah but that's part of the wrestling bubble. <laughs> like it's a wrestling bubble thing i know i know mostly what's going on in the wrestling bubble you know like pops up on my any of my social media stuff you know somebody will say something about it or whatever but i i that that's as far as it gets. If it's wrestling bubbly, I I might have a finger on it, but outside of the wrestling bubble, I don't know nothing. I loved your uh, introduction to threads, just being ugh. <laughs> uh, my wife, my wife, she was like, "You we got to get on threads." Like she's been off Twitter really for a while. Like she doesn't really get on it anymore. She's been so just 
drained by it and all the like negativity um, that the, the the female superstars get way more than the men do. I mean, we oh, yeah. get our fair share, but I think the women just they are on a different level. And so um, she she just had been off it for a while, and then this thread thing popped up. I don't even know what it was. I was like, "What's up, threads? I don't know." It's this new social media, and I'm like, "I don't want to do this." And then you know, her people are like, "Oh, you should do it. It's this new thing. It's gonna be a big thing." And and she's like, "Okay, I'll do it." So she suckered me in, and I'm I'm like, "One one more." one more social media app where I tell people things that they don't care about for two seconds. I, ah, I just, I, like I said, I am just a, I'm a crotchety old man, man. I'm like this close to just getting rid of all of it. I'm just over it. I'm just done with it. I don't, I don't have any interest in a TikTok or an Instagram or a Facebook or a Twitter. I don't want none of it, man. I want a newspaper. Just give me a newspaper. That's all I want. I like how <laughs> your one simple ugh tweet all of that was so evident in all of it. Like you literally said all of that in your thread, excuse me, in your thread, you said all of that with just one word. Ugh. Like everyone understood exactly what you meant with all of that with one word. Yeah. God, what are we doing? You know, what are we doing? I read, you know, it's funny. I read a thing today it was Arnold Schwarzenegger on threads. Uh, and he was talking about how he, how he uses social media and how he never reads the timeline, which I thought was interesting. He said that he reads the replies so he can interact with his fan base and he ignores the haters and just kind of like whatever. He's like, I've been dealing with haters for 50 years. I don't care, you know? Um, and he said that he goes like, but I don't need the timeline. He was like, I literally, I'm, I can just get a newspaper. If it's, if it's important enough, it'll still be in the newspaper and it'll be on the nightly news. And like, I definitely don't need to read what's trending. I'll get the important things by watching the news. Like you're supposed to like a person. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. I guess, I guess that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, easier said than done. It's just, it's very easy to, it's like a pacifier really, you know, the phone and the social media apps. It's just, you just scroll and, and it's just a pacifier and you can, you can sort of like pass it off as like, research or trying to figure out to get a, a, a you know a finger on the pulse of what's going on or how people are feeling or you know being up to date but most of the information is useless it goes in one ear out the other the opinions change from day to day nothing really sticks that much um, but it's just a pacifier it's just a way like we as adults pass the time and and you know instead of just staring at walls like we used to do first of all yes i yes. don't I don't know, man. It's, I, it's a wild world. I don't know what it's going to look like in 20 years. Oh, I can't imagine. It's going to be very different. I mean, it's just going to be AIs taking over. We're just basically going to be sitting somewhere having AI stuff do everything for us because AI is already taking over and it's crazy. It is. You are correct. Hopefully I'll be able to keep my job still. So we'll see. Be tough to train an AI wrestler. Well, you never know. You, you never think. know. Yeah, you, you think. think. <laughs> You do think. Oh, well, I want to go back to WrestleMania before I get too far past it. Uh, that outfit that you wore during your entrance had to have been the most outlandish thing that you have worn to date. Uh, what, what went into that? Was that just something all suggested to you? I know you have your guy, Troy, but was it something that work went into that? What, what was the thought process behind this? Man, you know, it's so hard to find uh, inspiration for new outfits all the time. And I'm not like a very fashion forward person, as you see here in my gray workout shirt. that's still taking sweat from my workout from a little while ago. I'm just in gray shorts like they were sent to me, you know, that sort of, I think, match this shirt. 
Um, that's like my normal outfit. So yeah, I think every um, time I've interviewed you, you've just been in a black t-shirt or like a regular t-shirt. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, unless I'm doing an appearance or I'm, I'm doing something wild, like I, I, I ain't got time for all that. So yeah, Troy, uh, King Troy and, uh, Mikazi Surratt, they, they do all of it. Jolene. So I have like a, a kind of a team. Jolene does the kick pad, Surratt does the gear and then Troy, he'll come up with kind of the entrance like the like his was the big role for wrestlemania but yeah i mean it was decadent man it was out there even for me like i was it kind of had like the, the pink dominatrix like jeff jarrett looking thing on me too i don't know what was going on with that i had gloves everything was wild um but i was like let's just go. i mean it's to the point now where i'm like i almost i'm waiting to go as far as i can just to see where people go okay all right put You've gone too far. You've gone, you've gone too far. Let's pull it back, pull it back. But it just doesn't seem to happen. So I just keep pushing it. Yeah, I didn't think when you're when you walk out and you have this decadent, you know, Met Gala thing on, you know, you don't think that it can get wilder than that. And then when you removed it and just had the like Jeff Jarrett Dom thing going on, I was like, that's a that this is next level. Like this is awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's stuff that a year ago I would have been just roasted for. Um, and now people can't wait to see what the next crazy thing I pull out of my ass is. So. The people who like fashion, though, and those types of things, they don't just like what you're doing. They love it. Like, I see on TikTok, I've seen some funny TikToks where it's like, this character isn't for you if you don't get it. Like, but we love it and we love everything about it. Like, it's it, and so I think that uh, the people who get it, it's they they love it when they because it's 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 just so I don't know. It's it's just a uh, it's for this time period. I feel like. Yeah, man. I mean, it's just it's you know the, the inspiration for the visionary character was really kind of a throwback in a lot of ways. It's very much just a larger than life kind of cult personality type character, like. You know, I had some inspiration from from other places outside of wrestling, but like when I was looking at characters in wrestling, I, I I was just looking at like a Macho Man Randy Savage. I was looking at Ric Flair. I was looking at Superstar Billy Graham and these people who were just you know over the top, gorgeous George. And I and I was just looking around, and there just didn't seem to be anything like that in modern wrestling. You know, executed at a high level, and so I just started the ball rolling and it just snowballed and here we are and you know it's probably the most favorite thing i've ever done i i'm having the most fun um for on a week-to-week basis as i've ever had in a wrestling ring and after 20 years of doing it that's pretty awesome for me i think that's why people are liking it because it's so evident on tv that you're living your best life right now that this is connecting with you you feel it you feel uh, you know personal with it it's not something that a gimmick it's just kind of like a, an extension of you and kind of living your best life and i do think that's why it's gotten so over with audiences yeah i mean i ain't even gonna try to explain it but it definitely we're all having a good time together and at the end of the day that's really what it's all about and people from you know little kids to you know grandmas and grandpas seem to love it so I, i'm i'm having a great time i'm glad they're having a great time with it who knows how long it's going to last. So I'm just going to ride this wave as long as I can, man. Now, how these things mix with all the you know wrestling characters that I mentioned morphed into what I'm doing now, no clue, no idea. Obviously, it's got elements kind of of my previous characters. Like there's a little Messiah in there as well. You know, there's a little uh, of the, uh, you know, the, the kind of undisputed 
future Seth Rollins in there as well. Um, and, and a little bit burn it down too. It's kind of like all the pieces mixed with some of the stuff that, you know, was outside influencing me at the time. So um, it's all there, but what, how it all came to be this thing that it is, I, I have no, no real explanation for you. It's just the, that's the beauty of art. It just evolves and then it becomes something different every day. Well, let's talk about you winning the new WWE World Heavyweight Championship. How does it feel just to finally be world champion again after all this time? Well, I'm in the groove now. You know, the first couple of weeks, um, it felt really cool. It was nice. It's hard. It's hard to take a title that's uh, you know, basically built from nothing um, and and make it make it feel like a big deal. And so, I think that's the that's the goal right now is to just elevate this thing every single time that people see it, whether it's a live event, whether it's on the Today Show or ESPN. Um, or, or, you know, pay-per-views, whatever, try to make it feel as big as we possibly can um, so that it, it kind of raises all the ships um, around it. And so I think uh, because I'm in a position on the show where I'm featured fairly prominently, it really helps uh, now that we have a title that's there every Monday where people feel like they've got something to aspire to, as opposed to before when, you know, there was just one champion uh, who was on a part-time schedule, it was really difficult for performers to kind of come up with uh, where they wanted to go next. You know, there was no end game for them. And and that can kind of create a, a little bit of um, a little bit of mundaneness, I guess. And so it's nice to have something that's featured on Raw. Like I said, it's attainable. It's there. You can see it. It's tangible. You can grasp it. You can envision yourself with it. And it gives you kind of that extra oomph to put forward to work. And so um, it's been really fun, fun for a few weeks or whatever it's been now. And so uh, I'm hoping to to carry that forward through the rest of this year and the next year and as long as I can. I think that it was also – I think it affected the viewer to some degree too, or maybe it was just me personally. But, like, when I watch a wrestling show, in my mind, it's like, okay, all these people are on this show because they want to be the world champion. So when there's no world champion there, for everyone to kind of, like – be going towards and and for that that's the top of the mountain you know on the show so it was difficult for me as a viewer to kind of figure out like well what are all these people here for what are they all aspiring for what are they going towards and so having you as a world champion on the show again has made such a difference for me i i feel like the show is complete again and having you you know defend the title against damian priest even though you know for the fact that it hadn't been defended in years i think it just makes a huge difference for the viewers well, I appreciate that, man. I, I I hope that's the case. I hope other people feel that way. And and again, I'm under no illusions that this title is the is the same as Roman's title. You know, that title has been around, and there's been so much equity put into it over the past few years. It means a lot. Um, I mean, you you saw how evident it was even at Money in the Bank when he got pinned for the first time in over three and a half years. You can't just come in and pretend that all of a sudden this title is that is that important. No one's going to buy that crap, you know. And the way that I always saw champions um, that that I looked up to and that I aspired to be were the champions that took the title to every territory or every town and defended it. And then over time, people believed that it was a big deal. And so, you know, I, I came in when Cena was a world champion and CM Punk was a world champion. I grew up watching Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. And so, you know, these Triple H, these are the people who, you know, they did that for the world titles that they were wearing. And so I'm trying as I might to kind of 
fill those shoes and and make this new world heavyweight championship as big as it possibly can be for myself and for the rest of the roster. I think you're doing a fantastic job of it because I I think that a lot of people had mixed feelings on, you know, putting in, putting out a new world title when Roman is still undisputed champion and I think that it's felt like you've kind of taken that as a challenge to be like, okay, well, I'm going to show why this is different. This is going to be the title that's defended on NXT. It's going to be defended on SmackDown. It's going to be defended on all the live events. Like, I am going to be the person that people think of when they think of the WWE champion, whether he's got those belts or not. And I think that that's very evident as a viewer. Yeah, you know, and here's the thing. If Roman um, was doing what I'm doing, there wouldn't really be a need for a secondary championship. There wouldn't be a need for another world heavyweight title on Raw because we would have somebody that was doing those things. And like you said, it would kind of give direction to the characters on the show, it would give direction to the show itself. Um, but because, you know, the route he has chosen and what he wants to do with his schedule and his title reign is not what I'm doing. Um, somebody's got to fill that void. And we we did our best with the United States Championship for a little while to do that, but it never really felt like a World Heavyweight Championship. Um, and so there's got to be that person. There's got to be that spot for everybody to get to, to try to fight for. And I, I'm very happy to, you know, be that carrot that's dangling there. So I, I think that I think that it's a good thing. Um, and, and again, if Roman was doing all this stuff and, and defending the title all over the place, then we wouldn't have these problems and we wouldn't have these issues and there wouldn't be a need for a title. And I, and one more little piece is like, if the roster wasn't so freaking stacked, if there wasn't so many people that were worthy of being world heavyweight champion on our roster, there also wouldn't really be a need for it. You know, if we were suffering and we were just kind of a one-star promotion, then fine. But I mean, we just got stars across the board on both brands. I mean, Kevin and Sammy, you got AJ Styles, you got Finn Balor. I mean, all of the Judgment Day, really. You got Drew McIntyre, you got Sheamus, you got Edge, you got uh, all of these people, and I'm probably leaving a ton of them off uh, who are capable of being world heavyweight champion, have been world heavyweight champion in the past, or are ready to be in the future. And so we need a title that they can buy for um, that, that's brown and available. Well, I think that there's wrestling is built on like levels and like getting up to another level and achieving something new and then showing you're in the main event level and stuff like that. And without title changes and a world heavyweight title to facilitate that where it is changing hands every once in a while, or just being defended often. I do think that uh, it's hard to show people moving to a new stage of their career without that. Yeah. It's just, it is hard for characters to evolve and to advance if you don't have stories. And a lot of our stories over the years are based around, like you said, levels. And so uh, creating one for Monday nights, creating a top, top tier level is, um, you know, that was the, the hand we were dealt uh, after unifying the titles. And that's where we're at. And I think we're just making the absolute best of what we can. And so far, I, I'd say it's a, uh, it's awesome. You know, it's made for some, some good matches and some good stories and we're just getting started. Well, it's crazy. You defended it in a little more than a month. You defended it more than Roman has all year. So, I mean, that shows you what you're putting into the title there. Um, do you think, I have, a, well, I have a question, a little bit of a loaded question, but what was your thought when people were calling this a consolation prize, the title? Uh, I mean, I understand where people are coming from. Um, you, there's no, there's no real right or wrong when it comes to what your opinion is on, on doing it. But I am a firm believer that it was a necessity, um, regardless of how you felt about it or how we got into it or 
where it ended up or whatever. Um, I just believe it was a necessity. So I, I wasn't like, I wasn't offended. I, I wasn't annoyed or anything like that. Like if you've watched uh, and followed and, and saw how Roman has built up the title that he has, it only makes sense, I guess, for you to, to use the word consolation prize. But for me, again, it didn't feel that way. Uh, it felt like a big deal. And like I said, it felt like a big deal because there are so many guys uh, who are able to be in the shoes that I'm in right now. And the fact that it's me makes it feel like a big deal to me. And I feel a lot of responsibility to represent them and the industry as well as I can and help everything kind of move forward. It feels sometimes um, with Roman's title reign that because there's really only one challenger at a time and often only every few months um, that it we're in a bit of a holding pattern. A lot of guys were in a holding pattern. And so, like I said, I am a firm believer that having a title available was a necessity. And I feel a lot of humility and responsibility in being the champion that will be there and be available um, for our audience. So I, I wasn't offended by it. Um, and I totally understood where people were coming from when they said that. And for the record, I wasn't the one saying consolation prize. I was just reading what I saw people say on the internet because I also <laughs> am a firm believer that it was a necessity. I was watching the shows for a while and like, God, I wish there was another world champion just to kind of feel like the world champions that we're used to on these shows. So it wasn't me. I was just... I knew the internet, I was like, I'm going to say this because people were saying it. Um, you know, in talking about WrestleMania and, you know, you saying when you got the Logan Paul match that, you know, obviously you wanted to be in the main event still. You know, you, you're not satisfied unless you're in the main event. Um, was it weird for you knowing you were having this kind of rivalry with Cody and then he gets injured and you're still there and you're holding it down and then he's in the main event? Was there a little bit of like – jealousy or there at all frustration that he was getting that main event spot when you had kind of been holding it down while he was injured uh absolutely yeah absolutely and i mean look i mean jealousy is not necessarily the right word uh at the end of the day it's show business you know and um that's how it works sometimes it's like it's not fair you know life's just not fair sorry i know we want it to be fair all the time but it's not it's not fair and it's not always a meritocracy um, as much as we would love it to be, it's just not. So you got to deal with that and you got to figure out a way to make the best of it. And so for me, um, I took the Logan Paul story and ran with it. I knew we were going to have, uh, an absolute blast because the characters were so diametrically opposed in the audience's eyes. You had one guy, Logan Paul, that the audience simply detested. And I was just kind of had just spun, uh, into a guy that everyone was really happy to see every week. And so, um, I knew we were going to butt heads in the best possible way. And it was going to be really good. Um, but yeah, I mean, anytime you put in the, the amount of work that I put in last year, while somebody else, you know, gets the top spot, there's, if you are competitive and you want to be the best, and there are a lot of us here in WWE and at, at, you compete at this level, you're just going to have resentment. There's just, it's just going to be there. And it's healthy. I think it's, it's one of those iron sharpens iron type situations yep. where, um, You've got people who are at the top of their game across the board, but only one of them or two, in this case, Roman, is going to get that spot, you know? Uh, and so you 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 got to be prepared to not not be that person. It doesn't matter how hard you work. doesn't matter how much effort you put in. If it's not your time, it's not your time. And so uh, we'll just put 
put it behind us, move forward, do the best I can to get myself in that spot next year and the year after that and the year after that. And so, um, I, I'd be lying though if I told you there was no resentment, jealousy. Nah, resentment, I mean, no, resentment's a better word is. for sure. That's that's a that's a better word for sure. But it had to have made you winning the world heavyweight championship a little bit sweeter, knowing that that the work that you put in did lead to you ultimately being the one to spearhead the show and be the face of the show now. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of guys who carried the load when Cody was out and Roman didn't want to make the live events. I was one of them. And so to be the guy to win the first World Heavyweight Championship, you know, that was a big deal for me. Um, I, like I said, I, I felt a lot of responsibility for everybody else that had put in the work throughout that time to get to the point where the company needed another championship. And I mean, you could have put a, a bunch of names in a hat and drawn one out and they would have all been tremendous world heavyweight champions. But the fact that I was able to rise to the occasion and be the, the top of that very amazing list of talent. Um, yeah, there's a lot of pride I took in that and I'm still taking to this day. That's why I'm here in New York City to defend the title on a uh, in a dark match on SmackDown. <laughs> Um, I saw, speaking of Cody, I saw that you recently helped facilitate uh, giving him a birthday cake backstage, too. That was kind of you. I uh, I will not confirm nor deny that uh, vicious rumor that's out there. Um, I'll, I'll let the speculation run rampant on that one. Okay. Well, uh, I'll move topics here. You know, seeing you in NXT working with Braun Breaker and Carmelo has made me feel old because I remember when you were champion NXT and got to work with CM Punk when he was WWE champion. So it's really cool to see that full circle moment with you. Yeah, it was very cool for me to go back and, um, and have that moment, you know? Um, I think that's, you know, one of the things I talk about is helping the younger talent and, and, you know, pushing the industry forward and the opportunity was presented to me to go down to NXT and I hadn't wrestled a, uh, a show or a match on the show in over 10 years. So um, obviously, you know, had moved from full sale uh, to the performance center and the look and the feel and the vibe was totally different. It had gone through so many different iterations over the years, but still NXT and it's still it, like, like I said, I, I sort of, I cut a little promo after the show and, you know, it didn't really, it didn't really dawn on me that it, that it would feel sentimental until afterwards when I got out there and I felt the audience and I felt that connection. I just, I haven't wrestled in front of a crowd that small and that intimate in a very, very long time. But there's something special about wrestling um, in front of a, a, an intimate crowd like that in a small space. And you know, you see a lot of times big bands will do that. They'll just. They'll go back to these small bars um, and they'll pack them out, but it's only, you're only getting like 500 people in these little bars, but there's just something about that intimate setting. That's a different experience than um, doing it at, at an arena or a stadium. It's just a lot more personal. And so it really hit me when I, when I went out there and you could really interact with pretty much any person in any seat in that, in that place. And so uh, it was an awesome experience. Um, Braun was a hell of an opponent. Um, I was really happy to get down there and, and, and get in the ring with him and, you know, kind of chit chat with a lot of the other guys and girls and, um, see what they're experiencing on a day-to-day -day basis. And, uh, it was cool. I felt a, a lot of, a lot of hunger to get to the next level. And, um, I was happy to see that. I think we had gone through a period of the next T where there was a lot of complacency and people were you know, talking about how, oh, I just rather stay in NXT. I don't even want to go to the main roster and this and that. And, and that always kind of, rubbed me the wrong way. And so when I went down there this past time, I, 
I felt a different energy. I felt like people were very excited to come to the main roster. They were very excited to come to Raw or SmackDown and kind of take their careers to the next level. And that got me pretty hyped. Since you've been in the ring with, you know, legends and now you're, you know, wrestling Braun, do you think that he has the potential to be a future world champion? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the raw talent is there. You know, you see it every week. And I, and I kind of told everybody, I said, hey, this is this is he's he's reached his kind of potential for what he's going to be able to do down in NXT. Like, I think for him, the next step is the main roster, you know, and, and I believe that wholeheartedly. I think he has done everything he's been asked to do down there. You got to remember, he has had extreme extreme limited experience like he's only been wrestling i think less than two years he's got like one page on his cage match like everyone almost every one of his matches has been on tv it's crazy dude that's that's wild and like he's not gonna get the indie experience that i had he's not gonna go out and get to like kind of hone his chops and 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 figure out who he is he's gonna what he's done on nxt television and you know maybe there's some you know live events down in florida that he might get the experience uh to have but like what he needs now is to find his way to the main roster. He needs to get on these live events. He needs to try stuff out. He needs to figure out who he is. He needs to, you know, work on being in the ring with some people who are a lot better than he is. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, to me, he's a, he's a moldable piece of clay uh, in all the best ways. He's a sponge. He's learning. He's getting better every single time he steps foot uh, in the ring. He's extremely comfortable now in his current role on NXT and um, I, I think that the sky's the limit for him um, individually as well as a ton of guys down there and girls, actually. So uh, I, I'm looking forward to the future for the first time in a long time. That's awesome. Well, there was also not just the future, but the past is there. You got a legend in Shawn Michaels. And I liked that video that they shared of the two of you kind of backstage together. Uh, do you remember what he was saying to you after that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. But I'm gonna leave that between me and Sean. Um, it was a very nice moment, though. Uh, you know, Sean is, uh, you know, I kind of opined about it a little bit when I watched the the moment back. Um, just, you know, he's, he's really the reason that I felt like I could do what I'm doing. You know, um, I was never going to be Hulk Hogan or the Ultimate Warrior, Andre the Giant. Um, you know, the, the people that I grew up watching were all giants and Sean and Brett. Um, were really the first two people that I was like, oh, I think I could do that. You know, maybe if I'm lucky enough to get to six feet tall, I might be able to do that. You know, I don't have to be a giant. I have to weigh 300 pounds and be six foot seven or, you know, whatever. And so um, to be able to share that experience with Sean and to be able to get any amount of respect out of him for what I'm able to do um, as a character and as a performer, um, you know, that means the world to me. So I, I'm at really at a loss for words for how to describe what that, that moment meant for me as someone who's now been doing it for 20 years. Um, but yeah, it was very special. And I was, I was extremely humbled that I had any amount of respect from the heartbreak kid, John Michaels. Is it a trip for you to see, you know, you have your own wrestling school, you're training people. Is it a trip for you to see how many people that you inspire in that same way now? Yeah, it's really hard for me to put myself in those shoes, even though I walk in them daily. Uh, I don't really fully experience that, I don't think. Um, I still often feel like I don't know anything about what I'm doing. Uh, I feel like I'm constantly learning. Um, I feel like I'm often wrong about 
you know, decisions that I make and, and I'm second guessing myself and stuff like that. And, and so I, I always feel like I've got so far to go, um, in my journey in the industry that it is, it's easy for me to lose track of what I've done, I suppose. And so, um, to, to kind of reflect on that and realize that, you know, I affect people in any way, like Shawn Michaels affected me when I was a kid, um, is, is pretty surreal. And so, um, I, I just have a hard time being that person. I'm just, I'm very much always the same kid from a small town that just really loved pro wrestling and only wanted to do this. So, um, it's hard for me to think that I can really affect people in that way, even though I suppose, uh, I do a little bit. You, you definitely do. And I think it's funny because I'm sure if you asked Shawn Michaels this same question when he was in his heyday, he'd be saying the same thing as you. Like, I don't know if I'm inspiring anyone. Like, I just want to be the best. I want to be the best wrestler. I want to put on the best matches. I want to entertain people. I want to, you know, in, do this thing that I love to the highest level possible. And so I do think there's similarities there. Yeah, I mean – it. I, I pattern a lot of what I've done after Sean and I imagine anybody in, in his shoes, you know, 10, 20 years ago and my shoes now, or anybody who's ever been in, in, in this position, I think, um, you know, you'd be probably, they're probably all the same. I don't think anybody can really understand it uh, in the moment. I think it's one of those things that you, you might be able to, in retrospect, look back on it and, and kind of notice it. But even when I talk to Sean, like, you know, I don't know that he realizes the impact that he's had uh, the impact that he's had on everybody, right. On our whole generation, like a whole generation of people, my age aren't doing this. If it wasn't for him, like we all pattern our style after Sean and Brett, um, and, you know, to an extent Eddie as well, Eddie Guerrero, um, you know, it, it just, we wouldn't be doing it if it weren't for him. And I don't, I don't really think that he fully grasps that, either you know i don't think he fully understands how influential he was on on this generation i think when you've reached that level of influence it's it's, it's got to be tough to accept that because stone cold's the same way like when you talk to stone cold he's just like the most down-to-earth cool guy who doesn't hold himself above anyone you know when i went and did his podcast he's in this fancy neighborhood but he's still got a bronco outside with a stone cold sticker on the back like he's just he's just like that dude and i think that um, I don't know if that speaks to their personality or just how influential they were, but it's it's really cool to see when your heroes are are that cool. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. It's nice to have you know the guys and girls that you looked up to when you were a kid um, still kind of have that humility about them. And um, you know, at the end of the day, they're just just real people. They're just they're just human beings trying to get by, just like everybody else. It just so happens that they've got an extremely special talent that you know not a lot of people have the opportunity to have so it's awesome that they were able to share that with the world and inspire so many people and again if i'm in any way included in that club that's a, a true honor for me you definitely will be i know you're not i'll put you over since i know you can't but but you definitely will be included in those conversations unquestionably uh now i reached the end of the show here but i like to end every episode of the show with a segment that I call the finishing move. I think there's new lights in the studio. There we go. I don't know. Oh, no, nice. no light. That's their fit. We'll get the lights next time. Oh, there we go. There we go. The lights there came a little is. late. There, there it is. There it is. Uh, what's your least favorite move to be on the receiving end of? 
Ooh, least favorite move to be on the receiving end of. Wow, oh, man. Um, let's see. What do I really, really hate? <laughs> um, God, I'm trying to think. If there's anything that's just brutal. You know what? The one. One of the worst ones, and I'm really happy that he adopted a, a new finishing move, uh, is Kevin Owens' pop-up powerbomb. Really? There's just – there is nothing – there's nothing he can do. You know, there's just too much velocity. There's too much – you're up too high. You're coming down too fast. I don't care if you've got, like, a neck of steel. I don't care if it is just – the like, even if you're Otis and you don't have a neck, like, you are gonna bonk your head on that sucker. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's just you're gone. Your neck can't it can't handle it. So that one's not very fun. It just, the older I get, anytime I'm high up and I fall on my back, that's not a good one. Damien Priest, he's real tall. He's got this choke slam where he throws you 20 feet into the air and then brings you down. That's not fun either. Right now I'm in my I don't want to fall down from great heights mode so anything um, that puts those things together falling down from great heights i'm against it and you're you're in your crotchety old man era you're not trying yeah, to deal you, with that you can hit me real hard in the head like you can punch me and kick me and chop me and slap me and all this good stuff i just don't want to fall down no more that's from a, from a from a very high i was so thankful not to be in that ladder match i was watching that ladder match money in the bank just thanking my lucky stars that i wasn't in it those things hurt and they're falling down from so high like la Knight's just getting tossed off the line i'm like i just i had like residual tightness in my low back watching him get chunked off the top of that ladder i'm like man these guys are wild <laughs> and lastly what's the most memorable time that you've taken someone else's finishing move uh oof, man um most memorable time i mean the the wildest one is probably the rko from wrestlemania uh 31 randy the pop-up rko i don't know that that'll ever be duplicated um uh that's kind of a one of a kind there was the the one the crossroads i took from cody not recently but actually years ago during his first run with the company where, you know, he and Dustin um, beat myself and Roman um, Dusty at ringside. I, obviously, that was super emotional. I think those are the two that really jump off the page to me um, as far as memorable finishers that I have taken. Well, Seth, I always appreciate you giving me any time. I've been loving your recent run. You're killing it. Thank you so much for giving me the time. Hopefully you're, you get that main event spot at WrestleMania with this run that you're putting together. Uh, I hope to see it. But really, uh, it's super cool to get you on here and pick your brain about wrestling. You've got such knowledge for the business, so it's, it's always a pleasure. Well, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. All right. Have a good one, dude. Till next time. Peace. All right. That was my conversation with Seth Rollins. I am always so excited to get him here on the podcast. He was the, one of the first episodes. He was the first interview I did for this podcast, but I've had him now, I think this is his third time on the show, and just getting to hear his mind for the business, getting to hear his thoughts on things, and his brutal honesty is something I always appreciate. So thank you to Seth, the WWE World Heavyweight Champion, for giving me that time. Now, before we get out of here, make sure you're following WWE on Fox on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and of course... 
Threads. We're on Threads now. WWE on Fox on the new Instagram Threads where you can it's, – it's not the other thing, but it's the new thing, and uh, I'm on there too. Follow me, at Ryan Satin. So that way we can continue the conversation. It seems to be more positive there so far. It reminds me of the Twitter of old when it was a less angry place. So uh, go follow me there. I'm going to be probably posting more content there than I am on Twitter. So go give me a follow. Uh, is that everything? Go follow. Go subscribe to the Out of Character podcast feed. That way you can listen to this show. And if you've enjoyed it, make sure you leave a rating or a review. It's been a while since someone has left a review. So step it up, guys. Help me out. I need the people to know that these podcasts are good. We got to get back up the charts a little bit. So go make sure you're leaving a rating or a review as well. All right. That's it. No more shilling for all of the follows. Uh, I'm out of here. Uh, that's it. I'm done. Officially tapping out for now. Until next time, I'm Ryan Satin, and this has been Out of Character. I think I forgot my own tagline there but it's been a while so <laughs> there we go 